Well, it's nice to be here. I see a bunch of faces I'm familiar with. I've been here quite a few times over the last five years. Great to see you. And getting started today, I'm going to go to the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah, if you haven't read that book lately, I encourage you to, as families, maybe in the evenings, read a chapter or two a night together and talk about it, because there's some tremendous parallels to America today. It's, it's hard not to see them as you read through it. It's a great story. Your children will, uh, will love the story. It's interesting, and, but it shows what one man doing the work of God can do even when the situation seems totally hopeless. In chapter 1, verse 3, he kind of spells out the situation. Nehemiah is getting word back from what's going on in Jerusalem, and this is what he hears. And they said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the providence are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. The walls are down in America, if you haven't noticed. They're completely down. They've been down for a long time. Evil is able to come and go as it pleases, do whatever it wants, whenever it wants, So we have a very similar situation to Nehemiah. But then the next verse talks about his response to that situation, which is a proper response. He said, And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days, fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. It should break our hearts what is happening to America. I mean, where we can just get down and weep to see the evil and the, the perversion and the, the things going on uh, throughout our culture, the entertainment, the, the just in every area. But then he also, in the next verse, he did what we need to do and said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. So so he's calling out to God, and that's what we need to do. But with a heart that is broken and and overcome and realizing that there is nothing in and of ourselves we can do to change that situation. If God is not with us, if he's not blessing our efforts, we will accomplish nothing, zero. And then he did a key thing that we need to do as well next in verse 6. Let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open that thou mayest hear the prayers of thy servant, which I pray before thee now, day and night. He was earnest in his prayer. He was praying all day and all night and all day and all night while he was fasting. He he had a burden that he was bringing to the Lord. For the children of Israel, thy servants, so he's coming to him and he says, I'm coming day and night to you. For, for For the children of Israel, thy servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee. Both I and my father's house have sinned. We have dealt very corruptly against thee, and have not kept the commandments, and nor the statutes, nor the judgments, which thou commandest thy servant Moses. I think all of us need to come before God like that. Have you kept all his commandments, and all his judgments, and all... It's precepts. Do you, is that really the desire of your heart each day where you are actively get up in the morning? 
I want to please the Lord today in everything I say and do, every word, thought, and deed. If not, you need to repent of that. You need to say, God, forgive me. I have been so sidetracked with the world. I'm so caught up in my own thing. I don't even, half the days I don't even feel like I need you for anything. Well, just repent. He forgives anything like that. But then repentance, of course, is going and doing the opposite. So then today, Lord, I'm going to focus on you. I'm going to, and I'm going to try to make this a habit where at each day of the rest of my life, I just get better and better at doing the things you would have me to do to be pleasing to you. Instead of worrying about fulfilling myself or having a fun day or doing the things I want to do, I realize this life is a vapor, and so I'm going to give it to you. Now, here's, before I get into my main talk of, of what's going on, here's the reality of how good God is. If, if eternity was a, a line that was a trillion miles long, okay, just one line right here in front of me, a trillion miles long, which, of course, it's longer than that, all God is asking of us is to give us, give him our 85 years maybe, which wouldn't even be one hair width of distance on that line. It wouldn't even be just one hair width. It would not be that, that much. He says, just give that to me. And then he has the trillion mile line, because he's so good, prepared for us, because he loves us. And that's all, we just got to delegate. Don't let the world keep pulling you in to, to do the same things they're doing. A lost man keeps real busy because he doesn't want to think about God. He doesn't want to, he wants his life so busy, he doesn't have to ask himself those questions. What am I here for? What happens when I die? What's the point of things? He doesn't want to ask. That's why he's just in a frenzy. Well, a Christian should never be in a frenzy. Your, your schedule, I encourage you to sit down as a family, write down everything each week that takes up your time and cut half of it off there. A Christian of all people is supposed to have lots of free time every day. So he can go play golf? No. So they can be a blessing to others. They have time for others. If a neighbor needs some, sure, I'll come over. We'll, we'll take off the day from work and our whole family come over and help you. What, what do you need? Or work day here at the church. Oh, yeah, of course we'll come. We, we can't wait. We have to. You meet a guy at the gas station. If you're already 30 minutes late for your 10 appointments today, you don't have time to stop and say, hey, can I tell you about Jesus for a minute? You don't have time. Oh, I'm too, I'd love to, but I'm too busy. So I'm just, be, be very thoughtful and careful. Now, the verse that uh, we read earlier was uh, Hosea 4, 6. And it says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And I find as we have been traveling in America now for five years, um, that is so true. Most people don't have a clue what's going on, why it's going on, how it's going on, or what they should be doing about it. And uh, kind of as consequences of that, we're in a rough situation in America. Now, how many, so I know where people are coming from, how many of you have seen the, the film, the complete film, Agenda Grinding America Down? Okay. And have any of you seen the new film, Agenda 2, Masters of Deceit? Okay, so, okay. Well, for a, a lot of you haven't seen those. That was our effort to try to put the pieces of the puzzle together as a family to let people in America understand the changes that have taken place have been purposeful. 
The reason why America is completely different than it was 50 years ago is because there's people that were working to make it completely different. They hated everything it was about. And I'm just going to go through different things here with the time we have. But here's, here's the first thing that woke me up. This, this battle we are in, and I'm not sure if the, oh, there we go. Um, this battle we are in is really, it's sometimes we can get overcomplicated by things. We can, you know, oh, there's just so many things. It's a very simple battle. There was a man who was a communist agent in our government in the 1930s. And uh, he, in his own book, his own autobiography, which is so powerful, he said, one morning I was watching my little daughter eat porridge at the table. And I noticed the design of her ear. And I realized that design demands that there's a designer. And he said, I threw the thought out of my mind. because No, if there's a designer, then everything I believe as a communist is wrong. It's based on an atheistic worldview. And he, anyway, to make a long story short, he eventually becomes a Christian. And he writes this book called Witness. Um, and it's a man named Whitaker Chambers. It's an incredible book to read. But in that book, coming from the communist side where he was seeking to create this utopia on earth, you know, that would benefit all the people and stuff, once he realized there was a God, he realized that cannot work because man is sinful. And then he realized, you know what? I can't just run from the party, which he did. He went and hid out in Florida with his family. He knew they were going to come kill him. And so he's hiding. But then he all of a sudden understands his duty to our country, for to stand up for truth. And so the first chapter of the book is a beautiful letter that he writes his children apologizing for what he's getting ready to do, which is stand up against and identify the people in the government that are his best friends that are communists trying to destroy us. And he knows, and he, he says, I hope you remember the beautiful days growing up on the farm in Maryland. I hope you'll remember these things. And he's a great writer. He said, but I know when I stand up for the truth, I will be destroyed and so will you. And I just want to apologize for that as your father, but I have to do it because it's what's right. And it did destroy their lives. And, um, and, but in that book, as he goes through the battle we are in, he said, everyone has complicated this battle that we are in to confuse us. And again, this ex-communist that's become a Christian, he said, this is the battle. And it's the same battle we're in today. He said, this is all it is. God or man. You will follow God and be a subservient to his authority and do it his way, or you will follow man. And it doesn't, what ma- it doesn't matter what flavor of man's agenda you follow. It all ends in destruction because it's rebellion against God. And so I read that and I was like, he's so right. We, we try, oh, it's Democrats versus Republicans or this versus that. Or, no, it's either God or it's man. And all of man's ways, some look better than others, some don't destruct quite as quick as others, but if you're going man's way, it always leads to destruction. And if you're going God's way, it always leads to blessings. He promises to bless us when we obey his commandments, when we raise our children to love and fear him, when we stand for truth regardless of the cost, he promises to bless those efforts. So, 
as a family, I was a representative in Idaho, and I could see the culture changing. And I realized, having been blessed with a bunch of kids, I thought, wait a minute. If we keep going the direction we're going, they're going to live in an absolute nightmare. I mean, I know where we're going. It's not like you have to be a genius when you can plot two points on a graph and you realize that we're not turning around. You know exactly where you're going. We will end in a totalitarian system here in America, period. It's where it always ends. And so I was concerned about that. So I wrote a letter to the editor about the, cha- the dramatic cultural changes in America and people just started attacking me and everything. But one of the things God used to help us as a family make a movie when we, that wasn't our profession was this thing here. And I want, I want to read you a few of these goals. These goals were from 1958. These were the goals of the Communist Party in America in 1958. Now, listen, the, the importance of these goals is that they understood <clears throat> almost half of these goals are just attacking God's way of doing things. They knew that's what made us great. That's why they had to undermine him. That's why they had to destroy it. Because they go, we don't want it done that way. And uh, just listen to a few of these. Goal number 17, get control of the schools, use them as transmission belts for socialism, soften the curriculum, get control of teachers associations. I think they've done that decades ago. But they knew. Have to have the children. Have to get the children. Children, all that matters. Hitler, when he came to power, he wasn't some nut at first. He's talked about patriotism, making Germany the greatest country in the world. And he said, there's only one thing I'd like to do. Write the curriculum for the schools. Because And that's where the Hitler youth came from 20 years later. He knew if I raise up those children, they'll do anything I say. And in America, we've let them raise our children. So that, why, why do they love Bernie? 35 and under, overwhelmingly. Because... The socialists raised our children and told them that's good. And they don't know anything of what socialism really is. They haven't studied history to go, yeah, it does sound good, but look, hey, we've already tried that before, and it ends in disaster every single time. You know why it ends in disaster every single time? And it will never prosper. Even at Plymouth Plantation, William Bradford, the governor of the Pilgrims, they tried it one year there. And he said, we were all starving to death. And the next year, we gave every family their own property, and we had a tremendous abundance You think with the pilgrims that are godly, they're working as unto the Lord no matter what they're doing. How come it didn't work? Because they're they're diligent. I don't think they were all lazy. They were were godly people. You know why? Because God didn't make it. He didn't allow it to work because it defies his principles. There's two principles in Proverbs why you know socialism will never work no matter who it's tried by, even if it's godly Christian people or lost people or whoever. One is if a man doesn't work, neither shall he eat. Socialism said, you eat anyway. Even if you're a lazy bum, you still eat. God says, no. You're defined, but you're mocking God by saying that will work. I will destroy it. The second principle is, a workman is worthy of his hire. What does that mean? It means you are supposed to be paid according to what you produce. If you, do, you built 10 birdhouses today, you get paid for that. You built five, you get paid for five. You don't just, everyone, socialism says, no, everyone gets paid the same, regardless of what they do or how they do it or how diligent they are in doing it. And God says, no, I will destroy that system because it is mocking me. It is defying my very principles I've put into practice in the universe. 
and so I will destroy it. That's why it will never work. But our young people don't know that. I was just at a college, a Christian college in Florida, visiting my nephew and niece that go there. And my nephew has five roommates. All of them are studying to be pastors. They're in the Masters of Divinity program there at this Christian college in Florida that has a pretty good reputation. And he came to tell me this very soberly, and I, it even stunned me with my study. All five of his roommates that are Christians, it appears, they're in divinity school to be pastors, all five of them have Bernie Sanders stickers on their car. He couldn't even, he couldn't even believe it. He's been raised by his uncle and his, his mom that have taught and trained. He understands a Christian worldview. He understands where we come from. And he could not believe it. They're all totally for him. Those are the five, five men that will go out and be pastors in the evangelical church. And they got that way at the college. They didn't come as socialists to that college. They were created there at that college, and now they're going to go out and influence thousands with that kind of illiteracy of the Bible and its principles. Here's a couple more of these, just because they're important. Listen to this. This is 1958. And for those that weren't alive in 1958, I've talked to many that were. It was just a different world (laughs) in so many ways. Here's goal number 24. Eliminate all laws governing obscenity by calling them censorship and a violation of free speech and free press. No one would have said a profane word out loud back then in public where someone could hear you. I remember in the early 70s as a child, I remember waiting outside of the store for my mother, and there was a rough-looking man just covered in tattoos, which was not normal back then, and just looked rough. And I remember standing there as I was waiting for outside the, out of the store. He was talking to a man, and he said the word hell. Just said the word hell while he was talking, and I'm just you know sitting there. And he came walking over me. I still remember his face and everything because it scared me. I didn't know why he was walking over to me. And he came over and he goes, Son, I am so sorry I didn't see you standing there. I'm sorry for saying that. He knew as a lost man that had a rough life, you don't talk that way in front of a child. He knew better than that. That's in the 70s America. For saying the word hell, he came over and apologized. Uh, That's how much we have changed. Goal number 25 Break down the cultural standards of morality by promoting pornography in books, magazines, motion pictures, radio, and TV. They knew you make this culture so filthy, it will collapse from within. The families will fall apart. The men are all looking at pornography, whatever, and it will just self-destruct from within. The marriages will fall apart. The children will be so immoral, they'll, they'll have to be dependent on the government. If you're a 16-year-old girl having your third child, you need big government. And they knew that. So they're going to just rot us from within. Goal number 27, infiltrate the church and replace revealed religion with social religion, all the do-gooder stuff. Discredit the Bible, whatever we can do to discredit that book. On and on about destroying the family uh, and everything else. I read that list in 2008, 50 years after it was written. And I was so, (laughs) I don't even know how to say it, so shocked, so mad, so, I go, there's a list our enemy gave us of what they want to do and we've allowed them to do it? 
just naively, ignorantly sat by and allowed them to destroy it. And so it woke us up. We ended up making a movie from it because we felt God wanted us to. It was clear, just obedience. And I'm just going to be flipping through some of these slides. I don't have time to go through this whole talk here. But So the reason I'm telling you is, again, that verse, my people perish for lack of knowledge. We need to understand the times. We need to understand what's going on. Socialism, Marxism, progressive movement. Why? So we don't get sucked in by well-meaning, flowery-sounding things, but also so our children don't. We can educate those around us, our next-door neighbor, the people at church, everyone we come in contact with, our circle of influence God has given us. We need to help educate them to the truth. Why? Because every story sounds true till you hear the other side. And we have not been saying the other side for 40 or 50 years. So of course our children are all socialist and communist. To them it sounds great. Why wouldn't you be? It's about it's loving each other. Jesus would have been that way. That's what they've been taught. So if it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. I mean, they're so illiterate of the Bible, they don't know what Jesus actually did say. So when someone says something like that, like many of these men do, they know they got to package this stuff in Christian-sounding names for the church. But the church doesn't know what the Bible really said. So when they say Jesus says anything, people just go, oh, they're talking about Jesus. They must be good. Instead of going, wait a minute, Jesus didn't say that. (laughs) What are you talking about? He said, if a man doesn't work, neither shall he eat. You're a liar. (laughs) You know, but we, we, we don't do that. This is a spiritual battle we are in. That's all it is. It's their commander-in-chief is Satan. I know you can't read all those details. This is one of the charts from the second movie. But I want you to understand our enemy has a plan. They are thoughtfully strategic, purposely destructive, masterful in their deceit, and satanic in their dedication. Okay? They are, their goal is to destroy everything that is good and right and true. Why? Because Satan hates everything that is good and right and true. That's why there's such unification on this thing throughout time, different people, groups. You know, I think that's why people, a lot of the conspiracy people, are always looking for who's the top guy. Because they know intrinsically there has to be a top guy. It's too organized. It's too consistent. It's too purposeful. Someone's got to be in charge of this thing. And there is. And he's very smart. And he's the father of lies. And he is so deceitful. If we don't know the truth of God's word, we will be deceived as well. And that's what we're working on as a family, trying to wake those up around us. 2,500 years ago, there was a man named Sun Tzu who wrote a book called The Art of War. It's one of the most greatest books ever on warfare and strategy. It's still used at all of our military academies. It's one of their primary textbooks. And he said in that book, if you know yourself, you will win the battle 50% of the time. If you know your enemy, you will win 50% of the time. But if you know yourself and you know your enemy, you will win 100% of the time. And I realized as I read that, in America, we don't know either one. We don't know who we are. We don't know what made us the greatest country in the history of the world. We don't understand the principles our founding fathers put in place from the Bible to protect us, to protect our individual liberties, so we would be free to do one thing. 
Do you know that you know there's only one thing we were ever supposed to be free to do in America? To do what's right. That is it. Our founding fathers, they, we're going to make sure they are free. Government never stops them from doing what is right. We're not free to do whatever we want that they've turned it into today. That destroys you when you do whatever you want. We were only free, completely free, to do what is right. And that has changed. In Deuteronomy 6, starting in verse 5, it says, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. This is supposed to be in our heart. You need to be reading it every day. A couple chapters every day the rest of your life. It's an infinite book with infinite knowledge. You'll never, it's not like reading another book where after reading it three or four times you go, I've already read that thing. No, every time you read it, it will bring new. Pastor Dwight, is that right? You've been studying this for 40 years, 50 years. Do you still get new things you didn't know before out of it as you read it? We have to be doing that. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them. Now, if you still have children at home, I'm going to be tough on you because I love you. And I love your children who I have not met because I love young people. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. And thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house. And when thou walkest by the way. And when thou liest down. And when thou risest up. Are you doing that? That's all throughout the day. Every day. In the morning. Before you go to bed at night. When thou sittest down, obviously, to eat. When thou walkest, but when you're traveling, when you're driving in the car to church. Hey, kids, I want to just tell you about a verse I read this morning in in my devotions. Let me share it with you and tell you what it means. You can do it. If you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit, he will help you. You just keep reading. Every time you open the God's word, God, help me understand the truth of this and be able to apply it to my life. I encourage you each day in your Bible reading, Don't stop reading, even if you've read a chapter or two, until you come across something that you can obey. Something that can become part of who you are as a person. Oh, I need to do that. I'm going to start working on that today. Each day, just add one more little nugget to the foundation of who you are as a a Christian person. And uh, we need to do that. That's the second film there. Now, again, in, in, in having knowledge and understanding our enemy, who is Satan, but we need to understand the philosophies so we, don't, uh, so we don't be deceived by them or allow our children to be deceived by them. In 1999, the BBC had a poll to determine who was the greatest thinker of the last thousand years. Think about that for a second. Last thousand years, not hundred Thousand. And do you know who won? It's pretty shocking. Karl Marx. He has had more influence on this world than anyone else in a thousand years. You know, we've been told communism is dead and the Cold War is over, but nothing could be further from the truth. Marxist ideas are everywhere. It's what's taught in almost, almost all. I don't think there's 10 colleges in America that, that regular ones, the tie there might be little ones with church and stuff, which is good. But regular college you've heard of, of the thousands, there's not 10 that are not teaching Marxist philosophies. You're deceived if you think uh, uh, different than that. And most of our Christian ones are as well. My sister went to Wheaton College in 1980. 
That's Billy Graham's college. It was so Marxist back then because my parents taught us this stuff. She, had to, she goes, I cannot stay here. They're all pro-choice. They all just cut. They hated Ronald Reagan. They're, you know, she goes, my lectures are just cutting him. He's an evil person he is. It was just the liberal propaganda. That's the Wheaton College was supposed to be the bastion of Christianity in 1980. That's 36 years ago. And she said, but she, thankfully, she, our parents had raised us up and taught us the truth. So she goes, I, Dad, I can't stay here. And she left. She went to a different school. I, I cannot stay here. It's all day long. I'm fighting these teachers because they're, they're just, you know, they're not Christians. They're, they're li- radical liberals that are at, packaging everything Christian terms. And they're brainwashing all the kids. And I had another friend go there later, and it just wrecked him. It just, it, a nice Christian young man that I grew up with just wrecked him. Um, so don't, don't, you can't shirk the responsibility of raising, teaching, training, educating your children to anyone else. I'm just telling you that. If you do, you will be sorry because it will not turn out like it should. That God meant us to do, he just meant for us to do that as much as we are able to. And, and, and just to cons- make whatever sacrifices we need to invest in them. Again, free up that schedule for your loving your neighbor and stuff, yeah, but for raising your children too. Spend an hour or two a day at least talking to them. If that sounds crazy, start with 15 minutes and work up from there. But you have to. If you don't teach them, who will? If you don't teach them how to discern these things, who will? Don't count on the Christian school too or the Christian college. It's, it's not happening. I used to teach at Christian schools. Unfortunately, a lot of those are not that much different. And it's just, um, so I just, again, telling you to, to be wise in that. Okay. Some of the strategy that's important as you understand the enemy, and Len, Vladimir Lenin was a master strategist. He said, the best way to control the opposition is to lead it ourselves. And as I've studied this now for almost 10 years full time, that is exactly what they have done. That is why no matter what issue, whatever. That, that's what's happened to the evangelical church. My, the films get into it, but I found, I found testimony in the congressional record from 1953 where they were interviewing some of the top communist leaders in this country. And they said that had come over to our side. When they saw the slaughter that Stalin did in the Soviet Union, it woke some of them up going, hey, I thought we were for the people, not killing everybody. And so some of them defected from the Communist Party. Well, our Congress interviewed them. And we asked, they pressed him, what have you been doing? So we can be alert to pay attention to what's going on. And he says, the number one thing we've been doing since the early 30s, so it's been already 20 years at that time, is going into the seminaries and divinity schools. We knew we had to teach the pastors themselves so they would influence, it would neutralize the church, which is our greatest enemy, and it would start to just water everything down. So 85 years ago, they started penetrating, going in, going through the seminary and then staying on to be the professors intentionally to just rot, destroy it from the end. You wonder why the evangelical church has moved as much as the world has moved over the last 50 years, most of them. That's why if you're at a church like this where Pastor Dwight will get up and, and, and preach Genesis to Revelation and doesn't apologize for any verses in the Bible for God, well, God's kind of off on this, but you should be grateful. You should be listening you should be taking notes. You should be after church each day going and then with your, sit down with your children at the table. 
hey, this is what Pastor Dwight taught us today from God's Word, and go through that. Spend time every Sunday going through that. And a lot of times you're going to have enough meat to go, hey, maybe that will give us something to talk about on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, till the next sermon. And then I'll start going through those things again. Teaching, training, discipling. The blessing of that, when you start being the teacher of your children, they start to look up you like a teacher. You start to build a good relationship with them where you're actually friends. I mean, just you enjoy each other. You actually enjoy being around each other. Um, and because of that relationship, you start to have more and more influence, and it slowly pulls them away from all those chains the world is putting on them. And all of a sudden, hey, Dad, I'd rather, I know friends are having a birthday party today. I'd rather, what are you doing today? I'd rather spend time with you. That'll happen if you invest in it, I promise you. I've been so grateful what God's done. I have six hours left in my talk. (laughs) There's purpose behind what's happening. There's a reason why Islam is being placed all over America. And and most of them do not even want to come here. So it's not to be a blessing to them. There's 56 Islamic countries in the world. If some of them are having trouble and need to be resettled in one of them, they'd much rather go to the other 55 that have the same culture, same religion, same languages, and everything else. It's a purposeful strategy to destroy us from within. And I've got so much information on this stuff. The educational system. I know this is, don't you get mad at your pastor for anything I say. If you're mad at something I say, you come yell at me. He, he is kind enough to let people talk. He can't control everything the way I say things. I'm not going to say anything that I shouldn't, but I'm saying, but I, but I love you enough to sometimes shake things up. Is that Okay. Shouldn't I do that as your brother? Encourage you in what's right? The schools are rotten to the core. If you study the history of the government schools in America, you see that the, the reason it is so pathetic today is because that's what it was designed to be. John Dewey, the father of government schools in America, was a founding member of the Socialist Society in America. He went over to the Soviet Union to study their way of education and bring it back to America. He was a founding member of the ACLU. Well, the ACLU is radical liberal today, but it was even worse back then. When it started, the man Roger Baldwin who started it, when asked, what's the ACLU about? He said, communism is the goal. We're going to break down everything in this country by suing them into the ground. And guess what? Their, their, head, their office, the ACLU's office for its many first years in office, guess where it was? In the Communist Party headquarters in New York City. Okay? They had a plan. We're going to destroy religious liberty in this country, and they've done it. He was a founding member of that. He's the author of the Humanist Manifesto. Read that. And you'll see why our schools are producing what they're producing. He hated God in his own writings. He goes, it's nonsense. Stupidity of believing in God has to be erased from the earth. That's the father of our schools. And so you wonder why, huh, I wonder why they're not learning much history, math, and science, and what they are learning. Just yesterday, yesterday, oh, wow. We were in a middle school in Minnesota to do a, show the movie and talk. We were, they were renting one of the rooms. It was a Saturday, so nobody was there. And I've got pictures on my iPhone. This is a middle school, just not too far from here. Down every hallway in that thing, they had 
big posters for the Gay Straight Alliance meetings every Monday. No other meeting for any other. I walked down all of them. I go, I want to see if other things are being pushed. Nothing. They had gender fluidity posters explaining what that is. Transgenderism. Asexual. They go, some people aren't male or female. They're asexual. And it explained it all there for little children. Down every hall, it was duplicated again and again, and nothing else. There wasn't a single poster on anything else in the, all the hallways of all the school there. A big middle school. I just encourage you, if your children or grandchildren are in those schools, pray to God, say, God, would you help me be able to get them out? If you feel trapped, say, God, my desire is to remove them from those schools. What, can you direct our path? I don't want them brainwashed. I don't want them to, to be taught that everything you say in your word is a complete lie and even evil. It's coming to the point now, they don't just discredit the Bible. They say the Bible is evil. And, and so just be careful about that. Your children, or whatever sacrifice you have to make, your children are worth it. I, I know when you're an old person, 85, 90 years old, and you're deathbed, if you took the time to invest in those children, no matter how great the sacrifice, you sell your home, you sell your cars, go live in a single wide out a little bit from town, get a different job, whatever. If you did that, I promise you, you would not regret it. You'd say, I'm so grateful I did, because now the next generation is carrying on what, what I tried to start, and they're doing even a better job than I did. That's why I tell my kids, I go, I can't wait to come to your house so I can say, man, I wish I'd raise my kids this way. Because uh, they, they got to go further down the road. They have to keep going. We haven't done a perfect job, and they won't either, but they can get better, and they can get better and focused on one thing, Deuteronomy 6, teach them to love and fear God. That's the whole thing. Oh, environmentalism. It's two hours on that. Let me tell you, this movement, you need to be educated on this movement. My people perish for lack of knowledge. Don't get sucked into think it's well-meaning because, well, they're for clean water and air and stewarding our resources. God would be for that. It has nothing to do about those things. Zero, okay? It, it, and it gets scary. Mr. Gorbachev, who was the dicta murderous dictator of the Soviet Union, when he stepped down, you know what he did immediately? He started an environmental group, Green Cross International. And then he also wrote the Earth Charter, which is the new Ten Commandments for the 21st century. And they take that Earth Charter around the world, and they carry it in this, an exact replica of the Ark of the Covenant from the Bible. And people literally worship it. They place gifts before it. it is, this paganism is getting scary. They have elevated Earth so high, Mother Earth, as God, and therefore, man is the enemy of God, and so it must be destroyed. You're gonna, the slaughter in this century, I believe, will be in the billions. Last century, communism killed probably in the different things. Uh, they, they killed hundreds of millions, but then even, if you count even all the world wars, we probably lost a billion people in the 20th century from war and communism and dictatorships. And I think this century will lose three or four billion by the end of this century if things don't turn, because that's where that's where it's going. And they say that in their own their own books, their own things. They go, we have to cut the Earth's population below five hundred million. That's the only amount that's sustainable. Even though all seven billion people could live in Texas, it's a total lie. But it's a satanic lie. God hates us. Why does God hate? I mean, sorry, Satan hates us. Why does Satan hate us so much? 
because we're made in the image of God. Every time he looks at one of us, he wants to destroy us and kill us, but God holds us back. He doesn't let him do that. The church, I talked about that a little bit, what's going on there. William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, warned us. He said, the chief danger of the 20th century will be religion without the Holy Spirit, Christianity without Christ, forgiveness without repentance, salvation without regeneration, politics without God, and heaven without hell. He saw it coming because he saw the intellectualism that was taking root And he saw these intellectuals feel they are above God. They do not need him. So this is what's going to happen. And was he a prophet or what? It's amazing. He saw it exactly. The purposefulness of the economic problems that we face. That's intentional. Uh, Why? Because it creates dependency. If you guys can't quite make it, you might have to get food stamps or something. And so then you're tied into government. They've got a chain on you there. It enslaves you. Then you have to vote for them. You're not going to vote for the guy who says, I'm cutting all those programs. Oh, he sounds kind of good, but I, I can't allow that because I have to have that to survive. So it guarantees votes forever. All right, wrapping up here, a couple of things. This picture is from Tiananmen Square. I don't know if you remember that or not, 1989. Tiananmen Square, the, some college students came out, about 3,000 college students, just to protest peacefully for some more freedom. Hey, can we listen to a little of our own music or can we talk about things peacefully. Well, this man, I just love him. He stood, the tanks started to roll into the, into the Tiananmen Square and he stood in front of the tanks. He would not move. When they tried to go around him, he'd move over and just stand in front of him. He finally climbed up on top of him and then they finally had enough and they took him out and executed him. But he had courage to stand for what is right. And then those tanks, they rolled into Tiananmen Square and while all our TV stations, cameras were grinding, because these good communists, they're not going to do anything. They machine gunned down all 3,000 college students, 1989. And they still have most favored trade status with America. We rewarded them for doing that. And they still enslaved their people. And I could go on and on about that. Here's the thing. One of the stories I came across while studying communism was this. Also in 1989, in Romania, they had a dictator named Ceausescu. He was a ruthless man. He'd been slaughtering and abusing the people for decades. Well, one day he gave the order to bulldoze another church. He'd already done it to thousands of them, but this one church bulldozed it. Well, something happened. Even though these people had been used to submitting to that totalitarian authority, this one church, 25 people and their pastor said, you know what? Uh, He's not bulldozing our church. We will not let him do that. And so they went and stood out in front of the church with candles, just singing hymns, peacefully and praying. And the, the bulldozers rolled up. And they didn't know people were going to be there, so they left to go get orders. What do we do? There's people there. We were just going to bulldoze it. And they come back a little bit later, and there's hundreds of Christians out there holding their candles. So they go back one last time. What do we do? There, there's lots of people out there now. And when they come back later the next day, There's tens of thousands of Christians standing out there singing. And do you know what they're chanting? They're chanting something that made me realize they understood what Whitaker Chambers realized about the battle we're in. It's God or man. This is what they are chanting in Romanian. There is God. There is God. They understand, no, there is a God. You've told us there's not. There is, and we will stand for him, period. And Ceausescu said, kill him. And so the communist soldiers started shooting them down. They still wouldn't leave. 
You will not bulldoze our church. They'd fall over dead and someone would stand in their place. And they'd fall over dead and someone would stand there. You're not bulldozing our church. Why? Because there is a God and we are going to serve him. And finally, which God usually does, when we are willing to commit 100% and sacrificially follow him regardless of the cost, he did a miracle. He pierced the hearts of these hardened communist soldiers and all of a sudden they stopped shooting. No one told them to stop shooting, they stopped. And he pierced their hearts with the idea, you're killing your own people. What are you doing? And they turned those tanks around and they went back to the palace. They grabbed Ceausescu and his wife and they brought them out to the town square and executed both of them. And the next day in communist Romania in all their propaganda papers, the headlines of the paper read, the Antichrist is dead and Jesus is born. That's in a communist country. And I just a month ago got another piece of the puzzle that was so interesting. I told that story from a man who was from Romania. And he said, I didn't know all those details. He goes, I was in prison in Romania on Christmas Eve. It was Christmas Day. Uh, I'm sorry, the, the, the day the headline, on Christmas Eve they executed him. The next day on Christmas morning it said, the Antichrist is dead, Jesus is born. He said, I didn't know all those details. He goes, but I was in prison for being a Christian, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. And, and Christmas Day, so all that stuff's happened the night before, but they don't even prison know that's happened. On, over the communist radio station, he said, we knew something had happened. I said, how do you know? He said, because all of a sudden as we're sitting there listening, it cut off with the propaganda, and someone read, and it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus. They read the Christmas story from the Bible over the communist airwaves. That's what God can do. He can, in 12 hours, when you have no influence, you have no power, you have no arms, but you have courage and you love him. He can take a communist country, 12 hours later, they're reading the scripture over their communist radio station, and the headlines of the paper on Christmas morning say, Jesus is born. That's what God can do when his people are serious about loving and fearing and serving him. And we need to be that way. I just, I think we need to, as family, sit down and talk, each of you individually, about your life. What am I doing? What are we doing for the Lord as a family? What should we be doing? If you don't know, you know what you need to do? Ask. Why don't you pray as a family every night, God, what would you have us to do? What would you have us to do? He asked us to make a film. And he'll ask you to do something totally different. But I'll tell you this, we are so thankful that we obeyed. We are so grateful that we didn't say, no, I don't know how to make a film. When I first told my children, and I'll close with this, that God wants us to make a film, they said, my daughter said, Daddy, why don't we fast and pray this Friday that your film, they'd heard about this huge film festival in Texas. They had the biggest cash prize of any film festival in America. $101,000. $101,000. They go, why don't we fast and pray that your film, the one I haven't started making yet, having bought a camera, wins that festival? And I was like, oh, that sounds good. I'm like, oh boy, I'm going to have to really think of how to explain why God doesn't always do what we ask. And, you know, my mind's rationalizing with no faith at all. I say, oh, that sounds great, sweet. Let's do that. Well, the next Friday, to make a long story short, I came out to get breakfast things out. And she said, Daddy, it's Friday. I said, oh, we're fasting this Friday too? And she goes, we're fasting every Friday until it wins. 
And to make a long story short, we fasted and prayed that our film, we'd never made a film before, and we're just starting on, would win that festival, and God did. That's what God can do. I encourage you, kneel down as a family and give him your loaves and fishes. God, this is all we've got. We're giving it to you, and what we expect in return is for you to feed the 5,000. We can't do that, but you can. Give him whatever you have. You will never regret it, I promise you. Let's close in prayer. Dear God, we just thank you. Thank you for being so good and so kind and loving and wonderful and forgiving and merciful. Thank you for listening to our prayers. Thank you for caring about us so much that you would die for us and shed your blood so we could spend eternity with you. Thank you. We are so grateful. Please give us courage. Help us not to be mesmerized by the things of this world that are empty and just bankrupt. Please help us to live for you with cheerfulness and joy that we may keep our children on our side fighting for you and your principles. And we love you very much. In Jesus' name, amen.